the Barclays Center was planned a long time ago, you know, and we don't go to our community boards, we don't know our council members, and we don't go to the meetings, right? And the developers are going there, right? The investors are going there because... In My Head with Jay Blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences. Get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences. I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you. Some might make you speechless, you'll definitely laugh. Others might make you angry and some might even make you cry. But my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with me, please view this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag headwithjb. That's H-E-A-D. W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at RealJBlessed and Twitter at JBlessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, JBlessed.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. Episode 25, Buying My First Home. In my head. Hey fam, happy, 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 happy Wednesday. It's hump day. <laughs> How y'all feeling? Now y'all could tell that as the season is changing, um, that I'm feeling a little bit better. We're heading into five and a half months of doing in my head the podcast and wow 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 what an amazing experience it has been thank you so very much for each and every person who tunes in every week who shares who who promotes who who talks about it to their friends and their neighbors and their auntie and then and cousin and everybody (laughs) i appreciate you we're listening to in over 54 countries and growing we're almost there. We're nearing our 10,000 downloads in five and a half months. Listen, I love y'all. V, drop a bomb. Put some applause on me. <laughs> Thank you so much to my team, G, Venor, everyone, the whole team, J Bless, and of course, you, my J Birds. Today, we are going to be talking about something that people are planning ahead in 2020. 2020 is a big year for many people. And if if you're like me, 2019 kicked my ass, yo. 2019, the beginning of 2019, I bawled my eyes out. So when you hear me smile, because I know you can hear me smile, <laughs> know that I worked real hard for this smile because you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So listen, I'm excited. I'm excited about the guests we have in studio today. But don't forget, 
if you have not yet, and if this is your first time listening, please, after you hear this full episode, go leave a review and a positive rating, five stars only, <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews we randomly read right here on the show, and it also pours right back into my spirit. This work of love that we're doing, this is solely being done out of pocket. And so if you know of anyone who wants to become an advertiser, sponsor, or investor, 2020 is the year to join on on In My Head. We're making waves. Matter of fact, tomorrow, tomorrow I will be receiving the Caribbean <laughs> Life News Impact Award. Yeah! Thank you, Jay Burst. Thank you for those who nominated me. Wow. Yo, it's going to be dope. But anyway, anyway, let's get into... Episode 25, Buy My First Home. In My Head. Want to advertise on In My Head with Jay Vlest? Sign up now for the 2019 introductory rates to expose your brand, business, or initiative to a local and global audience. In My Head has a large New York-based audience and is heard in over 54 countries, with its top markets being the United States, Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and Bermuda. Be one of the very first exclusive advertising partners by signing up today. Email info at jayblesse.com. That's info at jayblesse.com to advertise on In My Head. David Germain is a native New Yorker who is very passionate about what he does, and his work ethic reflects that. His approach to real estate is to fully understand his clients' wants and needs by asking a lot of questions and listening carefully to their answers. David's winning combination includes strong product knowledge, his ability to negotiate the best price and terms for his clients, and patiently working with them to make the process as smooth as possible. He takes pride in his integrity, honesty, and professionalism. His main concern is that he finds his clients what they are truly looking for and in the shortest amount of time possible without compromising great service. New York City is, of course, one of the most diverse and competitive real estate markets in the world. And David understands that making the decision to buy a home here can be a particularly overwhelming experience. From mastering the difference between condos and co-ops to planning for closing costs to approaching the board approval process. There's a lot to learn. That's why David Germain is our guest today on episode 25. So Jay Burst, make some noise! <laughs> David! Wow, to God be the glory. Hey, for great things he has done and continues to amen, do. We're about to have church in here. That's right. <laughs> this is my ministry. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that you said that because that's how I feel about my podcast, right? Um, our podcast is focused on mental health uh, from a Caribbean oh. perspective, but everyone is you know gaining help whether you're from the islands or not and your ministry is is helping people um be financially free yes and 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 part of that is also home ownership because if we ain't got no place to sleep at night that's a stress oh yes it is and you know what you do in the mental health field you know i i look at my life coming from the hood a kid from you know, East Flatbush. Shout out to my people from East bop, Flatbush. Bop, bop, bop. Uh, growing up there, you know, we don't realize some of the traumas that we actually faced as kids, you know, 
actually helps, you know, I mean, with the mentality and, you know, I call it post-traumatic stress disorder. I grew up in Brooklyn before we know Brooklyn as the gentrified Brooklyn today. In the crack era. Oh, yeah, in the 80s. So when you look at New Jack City and you look at... Uh, Crooklyn? Uh, Crooklyn or, you know, <laughs> even, um, you know, when they were playing broken glass everywhere, people dancing on the floor like they just don't care, you know? Uh, oh, uh, we about to drop that hit after. You know, <laughs> If you remember those days, you know, that's how Brooklyn and, you know, New York City really looked. It wasn't a desirable city that people really wanted to be in at that time, you know. But Very true. a lot of the homeowners who withstood that time and stood the test of time, today they're actually seeing the flourishing of just staying the test of time and, you know, being in these neighborhoods. And that's a testament of planting a seed and watching it grow, right? You want to encourage people to make sound investments. Yes. And real estate is one of the best investments they can ever make. And even if they don't see a return right now, things are always changing. Yes. And in New York City, if you buy a property in New York City within five years, you'll have double-digit interest by owning a property. Wow. New York is one of the best investment markets. You know, New York is home to so many billionaires. I mean, billionaires, yeah. uh, you know, it's not even funny. You know, you have so many millionaires. You know, I would like to start off, you know, first so they can get an understanding of who I am and where I tell came us. from. Yeah, tell me. Um, first, I'm David Germain. Hey. I'm a licensed broker. Yes. I'm also a licensed real estate instructor, and I'm also an investor. And how do I got to this point here was, you know, when I was younger, um, I literally grew up in East Flatbush, like I mentioned earlier. And 50s, 90s, where? <laughs> 50s. Hey! Uh, 55th and Lenox Road. Bop! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> those were the days when nobody wanted to go to the 50s or 90s. Yes. That's where they wow. make all those uh, reggae songs about 50s and 90s. Real bad yeah. man. Real bad man, for real. You know, now I got to say, Jamaican because, because I'm in the 50s, so shout out to everybody at East Flatbush right yes. now. <laughs> so, growing up there, you know, I seen a lot, you know, a lot of crime, drugs, you know, the whole hood story. And my father, he was a Vietnam War veteran. Wow. So, uh, we are actually approaching Veterans Day. So, salute to all the people who actually, you know, gave their lives and, you know, basically gave their service. So, thank you, all the veterans. And my father, you know, when he met my mom, you know, she was an immigrant from the island of Jamaica. So my father, he was from Haiti, and my mother's from Jamaica. Yeah. So all my Caribbean people. Hey, I love it. <laughs> and I'm first-generation American. You know, why do people come to America? You know, people come here for strictly dream. for the American dream. So let's define what the American dream is. White picket fence, a home, good job, taking care of their their, their family. Right, an opportunity, right? right? So that's the the, the definition of American dream. So my mother came here, left everything from Jamaica, and decided to come to America like most immigrants, right? And, you know, that struggle is really real. And then when she met my father, he was in the Vietnam War, he was a military, so, you know, she got her green card and things of that nature, and... We had a two-parent household, right? right? And then eventually, because of the post-traumatic stress from the war, and dad. a lot of times, even Muhammad Ali, he didn't want to fight that war. And basically, he came back with post-traumatic. He fought a war that, first of all, America shouldn't have been fighting. 
And, you know, back then they had this thing called the draft yeah. where men were actually drafted when you were 18 years old. Yes. So now he came back to a country. He fought for a country, put his life for a country, and then come back to a country that doesn't even respect them. Right. You know, right. and, and we then, see a lot of that that era and that play out in a lot of movies. Yes, now and so your dad. I thank you for bringing that up um, because oftentimes we neglect to see how a lot of our family members who were and are in the military do suffer from post traumatic stress disorder. Um, but it's not just only people in the military. We too living in Brooklyn. Yes, Brooklyn. Just growing up, you know. I'm so glad because, you know, with your work on mental health, I'm learning that some of the things that I grew up, you know, seeing people get stabbed and shot and, you know, I thought that was normal and that is not normal. Right. So I had to go to therapy as well just so that I can. Wait, wait, wait. Drop a bomb. <laughs> Did you just say you used to go to therapy? I yeah. love that. No, own that shit. Own that. I appreciate and applaud you for that. I love when our strong black men can own it. And say it because another black man is hearing you tell your truth and your vulnerability. And that empowers him now to say, yo, right. maybe I should go see somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, because we think that those traumas that we saw doesn't affect us. And if we bring those, if we don't deal with it, it actually brings it goes into our adult lives. So, you know, witnessing, you know, seeing my mom, unfortunately, get beat from, you know, she got beaten. And um, I've seen so many other Was things. Was that from that, your dad? Yeah, because, you know, coming back, he basically couldn't hold down a job, you know, like so many veterans who couldn't hold a job down. And eventually, you know, as a man, you know, a man gets his strength from his pockets because, you know, you got to be a protector and a provider. And when you can't provide for your family, sometimes you take it out on the ones that you actually love, you know. How many siblings do you have? Benny? I'm the oldest of three. Okay. So I'm... I'm I'm grateful that you're sharing this backstory of who you are as a person because this adds color to your ministry, your passion, your right. work. And thank you for, for even, you know, sharing that very private detail of your personal life that you grew up in an abusive household yeah. because last week's episode uh, was a bonus episode with a mother-daughter duo who we had to um, totally change their voices and names to protect our identities. And the mm -hmm. week before that was Nicole Sharp's story of her dad actually shooting her mom. Yeah. And so... Thank you for sharing these things because a lot of our families. Yeah, these are things that we trying to because you know I want people right and I, and that and I'm tired of hiding Thank you know you. because you got to be transparent so it just shows you the journey we're gonna turn our pain into purpose and power and power yeah right so so you can see the evolution of where I started and where I am now I'm loving this shit <laughs> G you loving this cause this is about to be lit <laughs> G's laughing <laughs> so David you uh, had a very you know you had a two family household but it wasn't it well, wasn't great my father after you know basically he couldn't hold down the job anymore mm -hmm. My mother and my father, they actually had a divorce. Got it. And it went from a two-income household to now a single-family household where you have now the woman, which is my mom, had a household now where he couldn't take care of the family. And then we went on welfare, and then we went on food stamps. At what age were you when your parents divorced? Five years old. Okay. Right? All right. So now, all of a sudden, 
You know, you went from a stable home to now it's an unstable home and finances now became at the top of the list. You know, you, you know, but the thing is, I didn't know that we were poor because, you know, my mom provided so much love and she was an avid worshiper, you know, wow. and those prayers, you know, wow. I, I see now what, all the things that as a father now, wow. what she did, because, you know, we don't appreciate what our parents sacrificed and did for us until we become parents. You are the product of your mother's good prayers. Yes. Right? Her prayers are still covering you to this day. Correct. Amen. Look at God. Yes. Wow. So now, you know, my mother left her job on Wall Street because now when she had me, she basically wanted to spend more time, you know, and she became a teacher. And to see teachers back then were underpaid, you know. Uh, They're still underpaid. (laughs) They're still underpaid, right? And... But now, you know, she had me and now she's raising us. And in third grade, something traumatic happened again where I'm about to cross the street and the school crossing guard says you can go. And the light turned from yellow to red. So you would think, you know, safe to go. Well, unfortunately, a car came out of nowhere and ran the red. Tried to, instead of slowing down like most cars do, they and- sped up. And basically ran the light. And guess who was in the crossfire? Wow. I got hit by a car. Wow. In third grade. Wow. And thank God, you know, I don't look like what I've been through. You know, I'm here. I I have a, literally, I think like I'm Kanye West. I have to have a steel plate in my jaw. I have to have reconstructive surgery. Uh, I think I made my dentist a lot of money. (laughs) Thank God for insurance. So these are things that happen. I'm realizing, you know, if you don't have insurance and you know, certain things in place, you know, anything can happen at any given time because tomorrow is not promised to anybody, right? right? So now I get hit by a car and I wake up the next day, thank God, and I see my mother by my side and I'm like, I'm trying to speak. And when I couldn't speak, I'm like, mm, 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 sounding like a mute, you know, no disrespect to anybody that's mute. And long story short, I asked my mom, can I look at myself? And she showed the mirror, and I saw my face. It looked like a watermelon. I had a halo over my head, and my head was so swollen from the accident that I couldn't even recognize it. I, I mean, think about somebody, like, punching you or fighting you and the swelling that I had. So on impact from the car, mm-hmm. you were totally knocked unconscious. Yeah, I don't remember anything after that. So your jaw was broken, shattered and yep. broken. I, my face hit the sidewalk. What else? Any other body parts like um, broken? Thank God. I mean, I hear a lot of people, I study people get hit by a car. And, you know, for what happened to me, you know, it could have been a whole lot worse. I could have been taken out for real. You know, wow. the devil really tried to kill me at that time. But she tried it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely tried it. <laughs> but you had a praying mother. Yes. <laughs> wow. This is. Thank you. Wow. This is fascinating because, David, I know you, um, not personally, but we run in the same circles, in the same social circles. And so I've always seen you and had enough respect for you. But this is why I have guests on the show to peel back the layers of people that you might see in the community, but you don't know their story. That's correct. And this is why you never envy or jealous anybody because you don't know what they've been through to get where they're at. Correct. So how long were you in the hospital for? I was in the hospital for a year. A year? I missed the whole school. Um, The kids had to write me. The whole school wrote me, which was really nice. You know, that really kept my spirits up. 
And, um, you know, once I got out the hospital, um, then I went back to school, which they welcomed me with open arms. But I got a settlement from that accident, right? So thank God. I mean, for all the things that I've been through, you say, oh, you know, money really can't, you know, take the way of pain and all the things that you went through. But uh-huh. thank God, you know, um, I guess it eased it, so to speak. So but I couldn't touch the money, though, until I was 18. In, in a trust. Yes. So was the driver ever arrested? Um, basically, from what I understand, no, because he stopped and he did call the police. And because he did things by the books, did the police report and it was an accident. So it wasn't a hit and run. No. If he would have ran, then it would have been a criminal charge. So what what could have been your demise? ended up being part of your victory, right? So let's talk about you turning 18 now. Right. So now I'm 18 years old and, you know, growing up on welfare, food stamps, and you're broke, right? So think about it, you know, everybody says, you know, when I, if I get money, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, Z with it, right? So let's say right now you're a kid from East Flatbush, Brooklyn. You never, nobody taught you about financial literacy. Nobody taught you about investing, Right. And all of a sudden you get this lump sum of money. What would you do with it at 18 years old? What, what did you do with it? Well, I'll share with you. <laughs> so when I looked in my neighborhood, the people who got the respect on the streets, you know, were the drug dealers and, you know, they got the girls and, you know, things like that. So I'm a product of my environment. Right. So I'm only seeing what I deem what success is at that time. Right. Right. So I thought. In order to be successful, you got to have a nice car. Well, 18 years old, guess what I did? Buy a car. I went and go buy a car. Don't tell me you bought a brand new car. Well, here's the thing. See, this is where financial literacy, nobody, I didn't have a financial advisor. Right. You know? So, basically, now, if you could take it back to 1993. That's when you you turned 18? That's when I turned 18. First of all, I want to know, can you disclose the settlement? It was $100,000. All right. So now we're working with an idea in our mind. You got $100,000 at 18 years old. Correct. In the 90s. In the 90s. So $100,000 at 18, 1993. What did you blow your money on? So the hot cars back then, if you could take it back to that era, um, it was the Acura Legends and the Nissan Maximas that came out at the time. Right. There was a four-door sports car. Everybody wanted it, the four-door sports car. So I bought... You know, I was so green because I had never had that type of money when I went to the bank, right? Because I literally my mom gave me a car for graduating high school on time. And I didn't even think I was going to live to see 21 because of all the people I've seen either shot, stabbed or, you know, all the things that you would see in the hood. Right. Right. And, you know, when I went to the dealership, that's to show you how naive, you know, the dealer was like, okay, you want this car? Well, it's going to run you about thirty five thousand. Okay, so. I go to the dealership, I mean, I go to the bank, and at the time I went to Greenpoint Bank, and I go to the bank, I said, I want to get $35,000 out right now, right? And what I didn't realize is that when you try to get more than $10,000 out at a time, they have to actually sit you in the back, right? Because they have to see if the money's in the safe. So they had to fact check that I really had the money and the bank had to have the money. So it was all these processes that I did. I thought you just go to the bank and you take the money out. So I blew the 30000 on the car. Then when you get the nice car, guess what you got to do? 
You got to get the jewelry. Wardro- you got to get the wardrobe. Bling, bling right? <laughs> then I had to trick the car out. I had to get the rims. system, the rims. Oh, right? shit. Right? So all of a sudden, I went from being nobody where nobody recognized me to all of a sudden now when I pull up on that car on the block. You the man. Everybody all of a sudden, well, my friend, right? Wait, wait, wait. But what was your street name? Did you have a street no, name? No, I didn't have a street name. So what I they called you? That. What they called you? Just David? No, before uh, the money, it was Holy David because I used to have holes in my pants. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, you know. Uh, you always been a Christian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, I ended up blowing $90,000 within four months. Whoa! So I'm down to my last $10,000. So I'm in the, like you said, I have a joint account. My mother had control. And my mother said, boy, when she saw that car and I pulled up on all my fake friends and all the people came around, she said that money was supposed to be used for either college or to buy a house. At that time, we were living in a two-bedroom house. I'm sharing my bed with my brother. You know, we didn't have it like that. Well, you riding nice. Oh, yeah. So that's what I call being hood rich. Right. right? And that's what I call also hustling backwards. Right. Right. Because we don't know the difference. Nobody taught us in schools the difference between assets and liabilities. Right. So now I blow all that money, and I'm down to my last 10. My mother, against my will, said, boy, I'm going to take that money. Right against my will, I'm like, no, you can't touch that money. That's, That's my, my money, money. Right. right? And she went to a bank and got an FHA, a pre-approval, which means that she got pre-approved where the government is paying 97% of the mortgage and only three and a half percent down. So to buy a house back then, you have to, and still today you could put three and a half percent down. It was only ten thousand dollars to put down. Now here's the thing about life: one decision can set you forward 20 years and one bad decision can set you back 20 years. And we all know people... Or take your life. Or take your life, right? And because of that decision of my mother taking the money against my will and using it to invest in, like you said, when we started the podcast, the American dream, which is to buy a home. So she used that to buy a home in 1993 in the area called Park Slope, Brooklyn, and she bought that home for $130,000. Wow. Yo, wait, wait, wait. Listen, we need a moment right here. We need a moment just to honor mommy. Yes. Because you had a praying mother. <laughs> <laughs> we need a moment right now to honor your mother. Yes. Visionary. Yep. She came to the land of opportunity. She got married, got her green card, had her babies. She, while you were suffering in that hospital for a year, she was taking care yes, of was. everything, holding you down. Yes. And what a stress that probably oh was. Oh my on God! Her. I know I stressed my mother out. Every I was never a sickly child. I always end up in the hospital because I would either break a bone, I'm riding my bicycle. Really, David? Really? I mean, if I told you all the things, <laughs> all the surgeries I had Jeez. because of things that I did to myself. <laughs> You know, riding a bike and, you know, trying to, you know, BMX bike. <laughs> and Is mom the, still around? Is mom no, still here? No, my mom passed away in 2011 okay. through the breast cancer. Well, wow. You're, we're covering so many different topics right now, but I just want to honor your mother. Yes. For... Theda Germain. That's her name. Theda I actually Germain. have a scholarship in her name. Oh, we're going to talk about all this. But my, I, I'm getting goosebumps in the studio, right? And I just... Wow. So your mother... Basically, 
just snatched your goddamn ten thousand dollars. Say nah, 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 yes. nah. You're not gonna blow this last ten. Correct. And went and got an FHA loan. Yep. And bought a house in in one of the most prestigious neighborhoods in Brooklyn at that time. Yes. And it was a fixer upper. And I, it was an ugly house, to be honest with you. When I looked at it, I said, Mom, why do you want this house? Park Slope right now is the home of the Barclays. Well, today. It is, right now, today. But it wasn't that it back wasn't. then. So what, this is what I'm saying. Mommy is a visionary. She had no idea the Barclays Nobody was coming. had right? that idea. And so $10,000 and you bought your first home. Yes, at 18 years old. What kind of home was it? A two-family. Wow. So did you rent out? So I lived in the home, uh-huh. right? Because it's interesting, growing up in East Flatbush for the first 17 years of my life, right. and then we bought that home at 18, now I got to see a different way of living where right. now I'm in Park Slope, and now I'm seeing how people operate over there. Mm-hmm. And it basically gave me a tale of two worlds where now my eyes were open in the way that I never saw things before because, you know, a lot of us have maybe even traveled outside of our neighborhood. Talk about it. You know, that's real talk. Some and, people don't even go to the Bronx and they live in Brooklyn. And Bronx people don't come to Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, they live within the four block radius of their community. I know people that lived on the like, even when I go back around my old way, I know people that have still never left that neighborhood. Wow. It's sad. Wow. It's a mentality, you know, and that's where, you know, Bob Marley said, free yourself from mental slavery. But no one but ourselves can free our mind. Wow, yo, yo, today's episode, y'all, y'all better go call a friend, yo, <laughs> share this episode right now, tweet it, DM it, WhatsApp it, text it, I don't care, share this episode, wow, David, wow, okay, so two-family household, now you're torn because, you know, your friends are still in oh, East yeah. Flatbush. I used to go there every day, because I, I hated living in Park Slope at that time, Right. because all my friends, you know, they say home is where the heart is. Right. So I would go there, but then when I would ask him, hey, would you want to come back to my house? Nah, we stay over here. Right. And then I had to get new friends. Uh-huh. And then that's when I started being exposed to different things and seeing different things. And now I'm one of the few chocolate chips and a whole bunch of vanilla. You understand? Right. Okay. It's okay, you know. Did you ever go to college like mom wanted you to? Um, so she wanted me to go to college. I did the college. Uh, I, I graduated high school. I did two years at Kingsborough Community College. I graduated in 96. Mm-hmm. And from there, I went to City College. And, you know, I wanted to be, at that time, an engineer, right. right? You know, but then when I went to the engineering class and I saw that I was one of the few <laughs> black people in the class because it was nothing but Chinese. Uh-huh. And I said, whoa, you have to have, I mean, I was good at math. My first job was actually a math tutor in high school. Wow. And I went to George Wingate High School, but it was too hard. I said, you know what? I actually quit. Right, okay. so I kind of did what Bill Gates did. I dropped out. That's okay. I love that you use that <laughs> reference. I did what Bill Gates did. Okay, don't even look at me funny because I dropped out. <laughs> Bill Gates dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> but I still got my two-year degree. Yeah, that's right? all right. We loving this. You got more than that though. You got street smarts. Yes. You got wisdom, and um, and most entrepreneurs, you know, dropped out of school. You know, like I and I. And but I, I would this, never advocate that. I don't either. But you have to know yourself, right? right. It's, you can either be really, really academically focused, and there are some people who are very, very book smart, and that's their calling. 
but there are some others like us who are born hustlers. Like there, mm-hmm. there's a part of us where we know we need to be in the street. We need to be reaching people. We need to be doing things. We need to do things with our hands. We need to do things with our minds. We need to build businesses. Correct. And you really can't do that behind a nine to five. Um, you can if you juggle it, but something's gonna have to give. Well, so what gave with you? So you know now, growing up in Park Slope. And now the house, as you just said, started accruing equity. Yeah. So my mother, because she started off in Wall Street before she became a teacher, right. she basically took the equity from the house. Uh-huh. As equity, every year the house increased, uh-huh. she took the equity, and you can use that for a down payment to buy another house. Yes. And lo and behold, it's just like Monopoly. You see, the game of Monopoly, when we played it as game kids. Game of life, right? That should be taught everywhere because that's the true pathway to financial freedom. I love that you said that. And wow. So mommy bought another house. Correct. And then when it was all said and done, after she passed away, she left us with five properties. Wow. Wow. So, so the eldest of three. Yep. Bought your first home at 18. Correct. Um, mom passed away a couple of years ago. Yep. And left behind a legacy of five properties in Brooklyn. And you said the magic word, legacy. You know what most people, when we die, what we leave, we leave debt, bills, you know. We don't have insurance. We don't leave life insurance. And a GoFundMe for the funeral. And and that's where, you know, the financial literacy is not taught, you know, because with education, as you were saying, you know, formal education will earn a living, but self-education will make you a fortune. And that's by Jim Rohn. I love that quote. Say it again! (laughs) (laughs) Formal education, where you learn math, science, English, social studies, the normal things, will make you a living, while self-education, reading books like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, or any book by Jim Rohn or Les Brown, you know, who moved my cheese? I mean, there's so many books that I could mention. It's not even funny, you know. But those are the books that actually changed my life. So when you asked me if I went to college, that's the book. That's the college that I went to. You were studying. You were studying. You were reading. You were doing the work. You were applying wealth. that. Right. You know what I'm going to do in the summary of this episode? I'm going to have a list of David's favorite books oh, yeah. for you to click on it and purchase and, and read. Okay, so I'm going to put that in the and summary. And nowadays of this it's easier because you have Audible. The books can read to you. Right, right. You oh know? my gosh. So I got questions. I, I got. We're we're gonna take a turn to your business side, but I, I want you to finish. Tell your story of how you got into real estate. So really, it was because mom was so, flipping and buying homes. Well, I wouldn't say flipping. Flipping is where you buy homes at a it. depreciated value. Okay. And then you fix them up, and then you sell it at a higher value, which is called the after-repair value. Got it. Right? That's what a flipper is. But she knew to buy this house because she wanted a home for her three kids. Right. So it was more or less for her to make sure that our lives were better. But then what I did was I took the mantle after she passed away and found out how to leverage the home and make it into something because now I live through or witness how one decision of buying a property has now transformed the last name in our family, you know. So going back to the question you said about what happened, how did I get into real estate? So I was working for the Board of Ed, right, for uh, 15 years. I gave my prime years to the Board of Ed working a job. 
right? I love the job because I love working with students, high school students. Shout out to John Jay High School. Hey. That's where I worked at. <laughs> and I also was the high school basketball coach there. Uh, we actually won a championship in 2007, 2008. Wait, you broke all these bones and yet you were still able to coach a basketball <laughs> <team>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. So helping those students out because that's purpose, right? Because, right? you know, money isn't everything, right. right? So I got a lot of purpose out of that. But I realized at that time I was only making $30,000 a year. And at that right. time I was happy with that. You know, I can't believe now that I was actually content and happy with that at the time. You know, what, what happened is I was working the job at the Board of Ed, right? And it was a Friday. It was raining. And my mom, unfortunately, she was alive at the time. She got into a car accident. Right. And I'm, my heart dropped. I'm like, man, I got to help my mom. Right. So I come in the work. I'm one of those employees. That when I work, I work. I'm in there before the time. You know, you, you know, you're supposed to check in or, t- or you have a time clock at eight o'clock. I'm there six o'clock sometimes in the morning, seven o'clock. I come in to work early, leave late. I do more than what I'm even supposed to do. But I don't get paid more for what I do. Right. And, you know, I go to my boss and you would think, hey, I. Her name is Miss Bloomberg. I'll shout her out. That's Miss Bloomberg. I need to leave right now. You would think that she would say, okay, Dave, you can go. But unfortunately, they were short-staffed that day, right? And a lot of teachers took off that day. So what happens, if you can remember when you were in school, when a substitute teacher comes into the classroom, the kids, they go crazy. And they go running out in the hallways, and they don't respect the teacher. So if I left all of a sudden... Now the classroom is going to go crazy, and the, the principal didn't want the kids to go running crazy because I had a classroom presence. I controlled my students, you know. So she so said I couldn't go. your mom is in a car accident. You just you got think, the right? call, and your boss is saying, nah, son, like you got, you got work to do. Right. And can you imagine how I felt at that moment? So here it is. I had to choose between my job and my mom. And I said, you know what? Ms. Bloomberg, you can write me up. You can even dock my pay. But I'm about to leave right now because my mom needs me. I only get one mother. I could always get another job. That's how I thought about it. Yes! So (laughs) I left the job. And as I'm leaving, she says, okay, okay, okay. We'll find somebody to replace you. But why did it have to take me having that type of stance? You know, I've seen other teachers come and go. If they have a headache, oh, they can sign out and go. I've seen other people where they have kids that got a dentist appointment, a doctor's appointment, and they can sign out and go. But why all of a sudden I couldn't go? And I'm like, this is a real life emergency, you know? So the late, great Maya Angelou said, people forget what you say. People even forget what you do. But people will never forget how you make, make them, them feel. feel. And mm-hmm. I remember how I felt that day. I said, from that day on, that was the seed that put a fire in me where I said, I'm never going to have to choose between my family and a job again. And that's when I started looking for other opportunities. And that's how that I, job had a power over you. It's like you, you, They had control over me. Right. I felt like a slave, to right. be honest with you. Right. And a lot of people right now listening to this feel like slaves to their jobs. And so we're going to cover not just home ownership, but uh, but also independence, financial independence, right? So now, David, you decided, you know, is, at that point in time, mom got out of the hospital. Mom was okay. Thank God she was okay. Uh-huh. And I checked on her. She was okay. But then from that day on, I said, you know what? I'm going to find other ways to make money because 
working a job and having a boss control my hours and what I can and can't do, I said, that can't work for me anymore. And that's when I started looking for other opportunities. And, you know, the acronym is ASK and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. And because I started seeking, guess what happened? An opportunity came where I got into network marketing. Now, I know there's a stigma behind network marketing, but because I got into network marketing, I was able to meet other entrepreneurs. This is the first time in my life that I actually seen other successful people and entrepreneurs doing things where they had freedom and they can go as they please and they're making all this money. And I'm like, wow, you know, it was like a whole new world. It opened my mind. Were you successful in MLM? Unfortunately, I wasn't successful financially, but the knowledge, you see, in the Bible says Solomon, who was one of the richest and wisest men in the world, God asked him, what did you pray? What do you want? What, what do you want out of the world? Or what, you know, what do you want to pray for? He prayed for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. See, if Bill Gates today, or even right now, let's say Bill Gates, let's say he lost all his money today, right? Or even Puff Daddy or Diddy or what do you want to call him, right? Lost all his money today. Do you think they can make their money back? Hell yeah. Why do you think they can make their money back? Because they have the knowledge of how to do it Because if you could do it once, you could do it again. That's what Jay-Z said. You know, you thought you, you made a Jay-Z, make another one then. If you if you claim that you made me. Right. And a lot of people can't. They don't have that creativity. They See, don't have that knowledge. Dre, he left the aftermath. He left everything. But guess what? He knew he knew how to make hit records. Nobody can't take that knowledge from you. We're going to take a turn. We've definitely gotten a colorful picture of who you are, your background, your heritage, your very proud Jamaican and Haitian heritage, yep. how that has impacted your life. Growing up with abuse in the family, growing up uh, in, in, in Brooklyn during a time, during an era yeah, where it was, so it was, sexy to it come was to Brooklyn. violent. Well, now it is sexy to come to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now Brooklyn the cabs is, come over the bridge. Now, now, now it's the hottest place to live at. Now, you got... Five properties still? Let's talk about that. What about your Park Slope property? So um, now going back to financial education, because now it's another thing to make money and to buy properties. It's another thing now to keep it. Mm. And a lot of times we're not because, you know, we're not taught about wills and trusts and all these other things. And when my mother passed away, God, you know, rest her soul, she did not have a will. Mm Just like Aretha Franklin just passed away, which blows my mind that she made so much money, but yet she did not have a will. We had an episode previously with Meg Morales uh, where we talked about living wills, uh, our financial advisor for Prudential. So make sure if you haven't heard that episode, it's episode 11. So check that out. Um, And it's, it's definitely a great episode to listen to right after this if you haven't already heard it. So financial freedom. Mom didn't have a will. Correct. Five properties. Yep. Three kids. Yes. Are you all all the siblings in good standing? Y'all oh, like yeah. each other? Oh, okay, because yeah. I mean God. it. I mean if you did it. Because that's another thing that people don't talk about. Because here it is, you know, let's say your grandparents or your mom made the sacrifice to, you know, help you buy these properties, and now when it's time to pass it on, because there weren't certain things that were in place like wills and trusts that had that kept people, as I say, from going into the cookie jar, because now all of a sudden it's a free fall. Oh man, you want to see families and friends fight? Yep. 
wait till mom and dad pass and that house now has to go up. Weddings and deaths. Yeah. And it is crazy. But thank God there was enough properties that me and my brother and my sister, we didn't have to fight. You All understand? right. So, so what happened now? Mom passed away. The five properties are there. Did you guys put this into some sort of an LLC to... to well, at the time, nobody told us about that as well. Okay. You see, the tax codes are made for entrepreneurs, right? The tax codes are also made for investors. You know, we put our homes in our name. Now, I learned you don't put anything in your name. You put everything in your company's name or your corp or, you know, finally your financial advisor or CPA that can actually tell you what structure to put your business entities in. But I don't put anything in my name anymore. Okay. Um, still have your five homes? We have to sell a couple. Okay. So l- let's take it back. I just want an idea. You bought a house, paid $10,000 down mm-hmm. for your house in Park Slope. That's 1990... 1993. Okay, 1993. 130000 Okay, okay, okay. You still have that home? We sold it last year for $2.4 Jesus! <laughs> 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 Yo! 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 Okay, all right, all right. Let's get into business, because I want to know how we can make this for us. <laughs> wow. Yo, much love to mama. Yes. Much love to mama. Every day I give her the glory. Yo, she, her children are jewels on her crown, and, and, and I hope you guys vanish that crown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every yes. single day of your lives we for $10,000 investment. $10,000. And a lot of people think it takes a lot of money to actually invest. You know, now investing has been easier due to the advancement of technology. You know, you can invest with apps like Acorn or Robinhood where you can put as little as $5 a day and have it invested, you know. Um, And I also have, just for people out there who have capital and they want to know how to make their money work for you because your money will always work harder for you than you can ever work for your money. See, that's why the rich keep getting richer. Because they make their money work for them. They invest. They invest. They make money we to, spend. to flip it. And a lot of people say, oh, I can't buy a house. I can go into some people's closets. I can go into their closet and I can count up all the high-end things that they have. I feel, and like, that would I be, feel like you're, you're throwing shots at me right now. So here's what. I'm going to use me as an example without putting too much of my business out there. I want to own my first investment property next year. There you go. All right, so let's use me um, loosely as an example, and I'll throw out some hypotheticals out there as well. Um, my my credit score is in the 740s. That's good. Single mother, employed, I own an LLC. This Great. is my particular story. Okay. First-time homeowner. What would you advise me to do? Well, the good thing today is that credit runs everything. Cash is king, but credit is power. And that's another thing that our people, when I say our people, don't understand. You know, people think, oh, if I have a whole bunch of money, I can get whatever I want. No. The banks are not going to loan you any money if you don't have any kind of credit. Because credit shows if they can trust you. Correct. How do you pay And how you can leverage credit. Right. Right. And we call it OPM, using other people's money, right? Use the bank's money to then buy your home. Since you have an LLC, you can either buy it. Now, here's the thing. People don't know that 
an LLC, you have a tax ID number, right? So you can either buy it in your personal name or you can buy it through your LLC, either or. It's just that the way you do it, it will be structured financially. And I'm not a, well, CBA. even though I, um, I know about the bank because I'm not a um, loan officer or anything like that, so I don't want to make any disclaimers because I have plenty of bankers and loan officers that will be able to help you structure financial right. you know, ways because I cannot talk on that legally. I appreciate that. Right? But I do know about what they do. So I want to purchase my first property in 2020. And you're going to help me map this out, right? Yep. So give me your steps to how I can buy my home. First, I think, number one, I think I found my agent. (laughs) (laughs) That's very key. And not every agent is built the same. You know, just like, you know, think about your job. Does everybody do the same job at the same level of quality? Right. Right? Right. There's some teachers that are really good and some teachers that are really horrible. And there's some teachers that put in extra effort to make sure that students succeed. Correct. So I'm going to find my agent. So I found my agent. Hey, David. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So my next step would be what? The next step after you find your agent is to get pre-approved or pre-qualified. Go to a lending institution. We'll refer you. Right, uh, we refer you three referrals, or you can go to any bank if you already have a relationship with your current bank, and basically try to get pre-approved and see what the banks are willing to give you based on your current financial situation. New York City is one of the most expensive places to live, but for a first-time homeowner, mm-hmm. how do you get around that? Yeah. So this is where. An agent like myself and the team that I have, we come up with structures where we structure deals for people. People, even if you made, let's say, $50,000, right? And you're like, how can I buy one of these three-family homes? First, I would always advise my first-time homeowners to buy an investment property first. So you buy like a three- or four-family, but you're saying, why do I need a three- or four-family? It's just me, right? Rent it out. So... What I've learned is you, with the, in, the, the, the rental income that you'll get from the other units. So let's say you have a three-bedroom on the fourth floor, right? And you, today's three bedrooms, depending on the location, you can get up to $3,000 or more, right? right. So that $3,000, guess what, will be added to your $50,000 income. They'll take 75% because I know what loan officers do. 75% of that rent roll will be added on to your income. So now you have those other two apartments that you also rent out. That income, so let's say, I mean, if I'm just using mental math, $3,000, $3,000 and another, that's $9,000, right? So 9000 times 12, that's $108,000 in rental income and 75% of that. So you multiply that by 75, $81,000 will be added to your $50,000 income, which will help you qualify for a mortgage. And you can use an FHA loan, as long as it's a four-family or better, so, or under. So talking about FHA loans, like these things... Meaning that you only pay 3.5% down. So these things sound very foreign right. for a lot of people who have never talked about property or real estate or, or even certain financial uh, conversations, Correct. right? Um, and that's, that has to change because we talk about Housewives of Atlanta, we talk about NBA, sports, but we don't talk about this. 
the stuff that really matters, that assets. So I, you're making it known to us that it's very possible for very possible for anyone to buy a home with a low income and possibly pay nothing out of pocket? Now, there are actually banks that have down payment assistance. Wow. That will actually have down payment. With FHA, you're coming up with 3.5% down, so you have the whole 20% down as if you were buying it with a, with a traditional mortgage. So between down payment assistance, concessions from the and sellers. And there's even banks that give closing costs. Ah, uh, and even programs like, uh, I guess, Community Seconds, or you could, buy, you could buy a home with no money down then. Correct, if you know strategically how to do so. And, and if, if you, you have, have right- an agent! <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> wow, okay, so what are some of the incentives for a first-time buyer looking to purchase in 2020? So the incentives are tax breaks, right? And also the fact that now you have additional income coming in. So God forbid you lose your job or you get sick. Something can happen. We don't know what tomorrow can bring. Now you'll have that rental income contributing to you month after month. I call it the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. Wow. Wow. And the house will appreciate in value. In value if you buy something today in 2019, five years from now, if you, historically speaking, you know, the market's always, it'll earn at least 10% interest over time. So FHA loans are definitely a good option for first-time home homeowners. Right. That's, you know, depending on your financial situation. Especially yes. if they have poor Especially credit. If you're first, now, a lot of people talk about credit. Now, I know, even though, like I said, I'm not a loan officer, but I know a lot of what they do. You can get a home with as little as a 580 credit score. Wow. You have a higher interest rate, but you can qualify with a 580 credit score. Probably qualify for a 10% down payment if you're between 500 to like uh, 580, maybe? Well, that would be what the banks determine based on your financial and you know, debt-to-income ratio and things of that nature. But what do you would you would you then expect a higher interest rate? Yes, think okay. of it like we were both going to the car dealership, right? We both want cars, so we go to the BMW dealership. Now let's just say I have challenge credit because I don't like to say bad credit. You could always fix your credit. Challenge credit, right? Bop bop bop. My credit <laughs> is challenged right now. <laughs> so I go to the dealership. You go to the dealership with your 740 credit score. We can both walk out with keys as long as our income is good, but the difference will be the terms right. of what you're paying a month and what I'm paying a month. Right. You'll probably go in with no money down and walk out with a nice 1.9 interest rate, right? Uh-huh. Where me, I'll get that same BMW, but and you're paying, let's say, $199 a month or $300 a month, right? right. Now, the same car, but my challenge credit... I'm probably putting down anywhere between five to ten thousand dollars a month, right? And the one point nine APR interest rate that, that you getting. have, I'm probably going to get it at ten, twelve percent, right? Right? And the monthly payment that you're paying at three hundred dollars, I'm probably paying six, six, seven. I've seen people pay up to a thousand dollars a month. Wow! For a vehicle that's depreciating in right. value once you drive it off. And 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 so an idea would be: I know you guys need a car, but it will be in your best interest to buy a house and you, use Uber <laughs> <laughs> and use a train, right? Buy a house, right? right. That's going to appreciate in value over the years as opposed to driving a car in these New York City streets that's going to mess up your car. That's correct. 
Oh, David, you are giving us like life right now. I know people are writing and taking notes down. All of David's information will be in the summary of this podcast, and I will announce it at the end of the episode. But I have more questions for you, right? No so, problem. I have my agent. I just got pre-qualified. Now it's time for you to take me to where I can get properties. Right. Now we can go shopping. Yes. <laughs> what Before you tell me where I can go based on how much money I got, what, what are some of the hottest properties right now in New York City? Wow. I mean, well, first of all, money making Manhattan. So if you could buy a property in Manhattan, no matter where it's at. Co-op? Co-op. Condo? Condo. You know, it's definitely going to have a higher appreciation value than anywhere else so if you can buy something in manhattan of course but that's billionaires row and the millionaires mm -hmm. you know that's where they invest and put so their when money. i win the lottery that's uh, where that that's that's i always say you can create your own lottery oh i love it i love it you know I a lot of people it. you know say i'm on a dollar in a dream but right. you can create your own lottery look that ten thousand dollar investment that i did in 1993 and Fast forward 20 years later, it was sold for $2.4 This is legacy. And so, I, David, I'm so grateful for this because you are going to help. You are my agent. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to help me buy my first investment property. And now, 20 years from now, when Mimi Blessed yes. has her kids, you know, and 20 years from now when I'm, I'm in my 50s and I'm chilling, I could chill if I want to because, well, you know, depending on where I buy this property— Correct. So now when you buy your investment property, because people don't know, you don't, people want to buy their dream home first. I always tell first-time homeowners, don't look at it as you're buying your dream home first. Buy your investment property, right? Because now when you have the rent roll coming in, and then when the house appreciates in value, you can take the equity out and use that as a down payment to buy another investment property. Or you can use it to buy your dream home where now your tenants from the first property are paying, are paying for the mortgage for your dream home. And now you're not because a lot of people will buy a home. I call it, you know, they're house rich, yes. but cash poor. Yes. And, and I, I hope you heard when I said you're going to be you're going to help me buy my investment property. And I've been saying that from the beginning because I've also been doing my research. I want to buy an investment property, not my home. I'm sure I'm sure I will live in my your investment, investment property. property will help you buy your dream homes. Right. It will buy the cars that you dreamed where you're not. You know, but it's all about planning and strategy. Structuring, and that's what I do. I help people structure where now, when they buy their investment properties, you leverage that. So, so go ahead. You leverage that so now you can buy the, the liabilities that you want. So you don't want to have... See, Robert Kiyosaki wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So yes. a house is only an asset if it's making money for you. Right. See, an asset is something that makes money for you whether you work for it or not. A liability is something that takes money from you, whether you work for it. And a lot of us hang out with li liabilities. This man come today to like just like to listen. Up. <laughs> I found out what I'm spend for somebody out there. <laughs> you in the club buying bottles every goddamn week. If we could just tally that up on an annual basis, you would have enough money to put on a down payment. For a home, especially if you are a first-time homeowner. You can owner. buy a three-family in Jersey for like 300000 You don't have to live there, but do you mind collecting rent there? Yo, you're giving us life. 
So how does properties, how does, how does locations right now in Brooklyn to buy? Brooklyn? A- anywhere in Brooklyn. Anywhere. I mean, right now they're rezoning and there's this thing called opportunity zones. Uh-huh. You know, Amazon made over $13 billion in profit last year. Do you know how much they paid in taxes? None. Zero. Because yep. they bought in opportunity zones because they created jobs. So if you know where the opportunity zones, like South Bronx, that's another opportunity zone. Right. Right. If you buy in those areas, you can literally, I mean, it's so many, I mean, it's so much that we could talk I about. Know, right. So here's uh, what you're going to do, too. After this episode, you're going to get in contact with David. Right. So we're going to talk about how people can get in contact with you so they can hire you as their agent if they are looking for a rental property, if they're looking to purchase a condo or a co-op or if they're looking to purchase their first home or investment property. Or uh if they want to get their real estate license, I actually partner with a school. I'm a real estate instructor and I teach people because I feel like the gift that God has given me in my journey in my life, I have to share it because I feel like I'll be doing people a disservice if I'm not sharing that information. And I, you know, uh, we do homeowners and sh- um, homebuyer seminars. We do workshops. You know, I'm really about educating our people and making sure that they can really financially prosper because I lived it. When is your next workshop? So I was thinking about doing one once a month. Uh-huh. Right. So that's what my goal is to actually do one once a month Mm -hmm. where they can come to. I work for a company called Compass. We're actually one of the top, you know, real estate (laughs) companies on the planet. And, you know, we're going to start doing homeowner workshops there because I just literally took a page out of Jay-Z's book and partnered my brokerage with Compass, which was proven winners realty. And now we're with Compass and we're about to take over and, you know. And I want to be a part of that. So listen, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to get your real estate license, yep. if you want to... I believe that should be taught in schools. Even and this is you, why you're an educator. Yes. This should be part of the curriculum. It should be. But they don't teach it in inner city schools. It's purposely schools. done. Of course. So because, this is why we got to teach our own kids. And so empower right. their parents. Yes. So they could pass this wealth of information Correct. like your mom did. Correct. Down to you. And Correct. this is the result of that. Correct. Wow, David, you're giving me life. Oh, my God. Okay, do you have any houses right now? <laughs> For <laughs> a steal of a deal? Is, I, I, the best way, because, you know, think about, you know, if you're in fashion, you know, think about when you buy a jacket, right, or a shoe, or, you know, something that has, like, a couple buttons or missing, right? Would you pay full price for it? You probably know. get it for discount, right? And I'll and I'll haggle with them too, right? Because if you you could always fix a button, you could sew or you know find somebody could sew. Yeah. It's the same thing with houses, right? right? A lot of people buy on emotion; they don't buy with logic, right? So a lot of times they Our want vision. the they they want the nice shiny house with the hardwood floors, with the cherry wood cabinets, with the dishwasher, stainless steel appliances. You know, everything looking beautiful, but. If you have a vision, yes. you, if you can see what it could look like, because I don't care how dilapidated a house look or how messy or ugly it look, guess what? It can be renovated. Yo, and, and God ain't making no more lana. So if, <laughs> so if you get a piece of property and it looks messed up right now and you get it at the seal of a deal, get buy it. it. Real Estate Investing 101, buy the ugliest house on the best block. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You're going to stay here all day. <laughs> so you, we've gone through some steps for me as uh, for a first-time homeowner, or, right? And mm-hmm. so I had my agent. 
I'm getting pre-approved. We went on shopping. Now, during, during the shopping process, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing things that I like, and I'm hearing big numbers, and I'm getting kind of scared. I might not be able to afford That's this. That's where you got to negotiate. That's where your agent, you put in the offer, uh-huh. and then you basically, your agent will help you with the offer process, and you negotiate. <sighs> and everything in real estate is negotiable. I don't care what the price is. Everything is negotiable. You know, I've heard people who've put in offers for a house they wanted and it wasn't approved. And the, the, after going through so much stresses of providing this and giving that and doing that and finding this paperwork and, and they weren't approved and how really disappointed they were, right? And then I've heard of other people who we got approved for this house. You know, like I decree and declare... <laughs> <laughs> that in 2020 you will be here and congratulations you are approved you're next in line this is all yours it's fully paid I sent you money boo <laughs> and I also help homeowners who are in distress who are going through foreclosure you know because like in a relationship nobody goes into a relationship right expecting to get a divorce just like when you work a job you don't expect to get laid off or fired from a job when you work Right. So it's the same thing. People buy homes and things life happens and, you know, they may fall behind on their mortgage. And once you go behind three mortgage payments, is they put a list pending on your house. And now all of a sudden you're playing, you know, playing catch up. And, you know, the, the, they start adding on the fees. And then next, thing you know, you're in foreclosure and I can help people with solutions to actually even stop the foreclosure. And I have investment solutions and strategies that can help those homeowners who are in those situations as well. I think that's so needed. And I'm appreciative of you having that as a service that you give to people. Um, Gentrification is a major thing in Brooklyn. I read on Berkeley News that, um, and I quote, in 2060, more than one third of low income households live in low income neighborhoods at risk of or already experiencing displacement and gentrification pressures comprising 24% of the New York metro area's census tracts. Over 12% of neighborhoods in the region are gentrifying or in an advanced state of gentrification, defined as an increase in housing values or rents accompanied by an influx of high-income, high-educated residents, while almost 9% are experiencing displacement without gentrification. Right. So right now in New York City, homelessness is actually at an all-time high. And, you know, with gentrification, you know, people understand that First, a lot of this stuff was already planned. You know, the Barclays Center was planned a long time ago, you know, and we don't go to our community boards, we don't know our council members, and we don't go to the meetings, right? And the developers are going there, right? The investors are going there because Hosea 4 in the Bible says, Hosea 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack lack of of knowledge. knowledge. And because we don't seek the knowledge, right, a lot of people are reactionary they're not you know proactive proactive. they wait until something happens before they actually do something and that time is too late and by that time it's too late right so as far as with the gentrification you know when property values were low we weren't buying right why because we were buying escalades and cars i'm not stereotyping right we didn't know the difference between assets and liabilities right now how do we prevent it um New York City is either two sides of the coins. 
See, if you're a landlord and you own property, you love gentrification. See, if you're a renter and you don't own, see, first of all, when you rent, you do not own. And it's not yours. It's not your property. People think, oh, I've been here 30 years. It's not your property. You understand? Mm -hmm. And I see so many people who've been in apartments that were either rent-controlled, rent-stabilized, and, you know, the landlords, they want their apartments back. And I don't condone that at all, you know, but it's not personal, it's business, you know. But if those people, when they, when the rents were low, would have just saved their money and purchased a home. But we can't go back in time. They can't do that right now. So Correct. it's all about what can we do now. And Another, that's educate them. Right. And, and, and show them that you can buy these homes, even if you buy a foreclosure. Right. You know? And even if you pool your resources, all they throw in susu and partner. There you go. All right? If you trust people enough to have a susu with these people and you know they're going to give you your hand at the end of the month, why is it you can't pool your resources with those same people Correct. to buy a property? Right. Because let's say when tax returns come, right, tax season comes, April 15th, everybody's expecting a tax return. Let's say you get 10000 from your tax return. And just to let you know what the tax return is, it's an overpayment of money that you already worked for. Right. right? So when you get your tax return, instead of buying, going on that trip or that luxury, you know, Let's be disciplined. Let's hunker down for one year. Don't go out and go, you know, on dinners all the time and dates and buying the fun. Like, let's say, okay, this is my goal, my objective this year to buy a house. Put you and I, your 10000 my 10000 up to four people can go on the FHA mortgage. Wow. Right? So if you all come together, that's $40,000, right, that you can come together, buy a home, and then buy a four-family where now each of you have an apartment for yourself. And uh, now you own the property. Another thing I want to cover, and we're, we're getting ready to wind down. I know this is a lengthy podcast, and normally um, I keep it a little bit shorter, but this one is worth it, y'all. And I know you're going to be grateful that I, I took this this amount of time with David. And, and I know it's the wealth of knowledge. Um, we are not even able to cover a lot of things, but yeah. you got to go to his seminars. I'm going to have all his information here. I'm going to tell you all about it before we leave. Another thing that you were saying, I know when people live in apartments for 20, 30 years, apartments, right? Elders, elders are being forced out of their home. Yeah, elders are not making money like they used to. So their homes are going in foreclosures or their children have passed away. And I, I read something from Cecilia Clark, the president and CEO of the Brooklyn Community Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, she wrote, after building the Brooklyn neighborhoods, the world has grown to love Brooklyn elders are too often living in poverty, struggling yep. to find decent housing they Correct. can't afford and fighting for basic services that would allow them to live with dignity. Right. It is a definition of a crisis. They've partnered with donors to establish the Brooklyn Elders Fund to bring Brooklynites together to tackle this challenge head on. Yeah. And we also got to take into consideration our generation, our older generations, our elders who paved the way, who came here on boats and planes, right? So that we can, you know, eat off the fat of the land or off their 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 work. And now people are come showing up to their doors with, with suitcases full of money because they know that their house is in foreclosure and they're they're mm -hmm. tempted to sell. Yeah. Or 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 they've been in an apartment for 30 years and now the apartment is being transformed and upgraded and that landlord is trying to kick them out yep. of a stabilized apartment that's like they're paying $600 in yep. rent, but they can get $3,600 in oh, rent. Yep. 
So can you also assist people in 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 finding resources or yes, aid? Yes, I can share. Uh, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits out here. You know that can help people in those situations, and I know a few. Um, I don't have the information on me now, but I do have those resources where there are tenant advocates and you know um, nonprofits that actually help people in those situations. So here's what. Um, episode 25, Buying My First Home, really, really is an introduction. So I was introducing you to my real estate agent. <laughs> what I'm going to do now, moving on in the future. David, I want to know, would you be willing to come and have a segment on the show? Because we have so much things to cover. We're talking about appraisal, talking about different terms that people mm -hmm. hear. And we can't cover it in one episode. No. So. You know what? Putting it out to the Jaybirds. What do you guys send me questions, and then we we bring David back for like a Q and A. So every week he can you know do his answers, and 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 then. But you guys gotta sign up. So here's what: if you are moved by this episode, which it should goddamn be, all right. If you are renting, you got kids. If you have children, gotta leave that legacy. Gotta leave that legacy. Children. If you plan to have children. Where are they going to live? And if you pass away, what would they have? We talked about living wills. We talked about estate planning. Now we're talking about home and legacy. We're talking about owning property, home ownership, investing. So I need you right now to write down David's number. Uh, David's number is 718-812-6428. That's 718 718- 812-6428 That's David Germain You could also email him at David.Germain With a G Because a lot of people Spell my last name with a J So it's G-E-R-M-A-I-N At compass.com And you know what You can follow him on Insta At proven underscore winners Listen All of this information Will be in the summary Of this episode In my head Alright David this one was a good one, okay? This is just an introductory. We have so many things to cover. And like I said before, we're winding down 20, 2019. People are making their 2020 goals. 2020 is a big year for many people. Only two months left in this decade? Not even two months. Like a month. Less than two months. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And so I want you to help us. You are a proven winner. Thank you. And so you, the glory. you've overcome so much. And I, I love to sit at the feet of people who have been through some things, right? And you've been through some things. Mm. And it ain't all glory and it ain't all 75 Failure and sunny. Failure is a part of success. And I love the fact that your realty name is Proven Winners. You've proven that, and yep. I love it. Is there anyone you want to shout out? Is there any advice you want to give to first-time homeowners or, or just any advice at all that you want to share and people that you want to acknowledge right now before we close? All right, well, first I want to give a shout-out to my fiance Dion Nichols. Uh, she also runs a financial <laughs> literacy program. Um, Dion you know, is so beautiful. Yeah. You, 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 yeah, you definitely approve of winner with that one. You <laughs> <laughs> but not just beautiful, but, you know, she teaches financial education, and, you know, that's very important, you know, because that's something that is not... We got to be the change that we want to see in the world. Right, because they're not going to do it for us. You know, we got to do it for our own people. Because if we don't do it, nobody's going to do it for us. They want us to be dumb, deaf, and blind. Right. You know, so. Hey, um, <laughs> And you know, we live in the information age today. We have Google. I remember back in the days, I had to go through encyclopedias to get information. Yes. You know, there's so many. You, 
you call it YouTube University. You know, a lot of the things I'm talking about, there are people who do it. And also be careful of the advice that you're getting because a lot of us have friends, families, and I call them dream killers. And, you know, if somebody makes $50,000, but you want to make $200,000, Somebody who makes fifty thousand dollars cannot be giving you advice. Cannot give you advice on how to make two hundred thousand. Or we want to get ideas about owning the business, and you know somebody has never owned a business, but yet they want to tell you how to run the business. That's like if you have no kids, and somebody who doesn't have kids is giving you advice about somebody who has kids. You know that don't make any sense. You know if you want to buy a car, are you going to listen to somebody who rides a train? You can't. Are you you can't learn somebody? from their experiences though of what not to do. Oh yes, there you go. <laughs> there should be a school on failure. I'm telling you, learn from other people's failure. Right? My failures hopefully will be your success. Yeah. You know, and read. Readers are leaders. You know, the book yeah. that changed my life was Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert, Robert Kiyosaki and. Mm-hmm. And the other book you can read is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I like the black choice because I'm an African-American male, <laughs> right? There's, it teach you, you learn from successful people. There are so many success stories. I remember there was a, um, Bloomberg Television. I know a lot of people don't want to watch Bloomberg Television, but there's a show called Game Changers, and they share the life of people who actually, you know, became millionaires and billionaires, and you, you hear their journey, you know? You know, when you look at people like Warren Buffett, do you know that Warren Buffett made half of his billions after the age of 50? Yeah. Right? So so don't don't think that your dream is dead because you didn't accomplish it in your 20s or Correct. 30s or even 40s. There's a girl who's 11 years old. You can Google her. She has her lemonade in Whole Foods. Yeah. And she's on the verge of being a millionaire, if not already a millionaire. Much love to her parents on that, too. Uh. Right. Much love to... You got to... If you see your kid, you know, th- this is so layered, and your mom did it with you, mm-hmm. right? And having vision, and... It, I, God damn, we got so much things to do. You got to come back, <laughs> David. <laughs> you got to come back. I want to definitely acknowledge David Germain um, for coming through to In My Head today. Episode 25. We're closing off 2019 really, really strong. And I know as you guys plan ahead, I always tell you that a smart man learns from his own mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Mm. And so let's capitalize on the information that we have and let's maximize our time and our money by making wiser choices. It's your girl, yes. Jay Bless. Wow, this was good. This is really, really good. <laughs> right. Learn, earn, and return. I like that. In my head. Want to advertise on In My Head with Jay Blessed? Sign up now for the 2019 introductory rates to expose your brand, business, or initiative to a local and global audience. In My Head has a large New York-based audience and is heard in over 54 countries, with its top markets being the United States, Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and Bermuda. Be one of the very first exclusive advertising partners by signing up today. Email info at jaybless.com. That's info at jbless.com to advertise on In My Head. So, yeah, if you're like me and you want to be a first-time homeowner, um, just turned 35, y'all know that. Um, I got a kid. I'm, I'm thinking legacy. I'm thinking marriage again. I'm thinking more beautiful brown babies. I'm thinking of, of my businesses and about 
retiring at the age of 45. <laughs> so I got I got to I got to make I got to make some plans. So are you considering owning your first property in 2020? Do you want to own your first property in 2020? Use the hashtag HeadWithJB to get in on the conversation so we can connect you with David. Matter of fact, what's playing in my head? Well, in honor of David's amazing, victorious story. Man, this man is, um, he's phenomenal. In honor of him, I'm going to play Gracefully Broken by Tasha Cobb. Yo, I've, I've kept you here long enough. Yo, see you next week for episode 26. In the meantime, episode 25, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>